Chapter Five of Making Fate by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Five: Shadows and Charms. It is doubtful if Marjorie Edmonds, though she lived to be an old woman, will ever forget the experiences of that night. Though by no means a timid person, her life had been a carefully guarded one in some respects and she was now having her first experience of being on a deserted street alone at night. She had no conception of how the loneliness would affect her, or assuredly she would have reconsidered even then. She ran a few steps, in her foolish fear that she might be seen and captured by her friends, but soon discovered that she must not waste strength in that way in her excited state of mind she lost her breath so quickly as to alarm her she tried to reason her fears away why should she be afraid the night was so still so very still that even the common ordinary sounds of nature seemed to be lacking and the very silence alarmed her then the trees had long naked arms which they waved at her a ghastly stump in the near distance took human shape and silently beckoned to her in the moonlight a great dog barked fiercely in the far distance but seemed to her overwrought nerves to be bounding toward her she could almost feel his hot breath on her burning face those awful silent shadows among the trees waved their arms and mocked at her were they silent she thought she heard them laughing in short common sense seemed for the time being to utterly desert this young woman and leave her a prey to all sorts of imaginations which had heretofore been unknown to her before she had accomplished a third of the distance if she had not by that time become equally afraid of all directions she would have turned back once she made a full stop and considered the advisability of doing so then a curious feeling came over her that it would be impossible to meet again the horrors through which she had already passed better unknown terrors than these so she sped on yet that is hardly the word to use there was not much speed she found herself compelled to walk comparatively slowly her heart beat so hard that it seemed to take her strength at times there came to her a terrible fear that she would faint dead away by the roadside then what might not happen to her before the morning dawned once she looked up appealingly at the moon and was beset with a new fear it was travelling fast and might be near its setting what if it should leave her in the darkness better all those mocking shadows than this at last she neared the houston farm not quite half the distance accomplished could she possibly endure another hour like the last one should she stop at the houston farm tell her pitiful story and ask shelter until morning how humiliating such a course would be how the douglas girls would laugh at her and possibly even ralph bramlett would sneer still it may be that her fears would have gotten the better of her pride had they not been at that moment turned into a new channel distinctly on the silent air came the baying of dogs she remembered to have heard that the houstons kept watch-dogs fierce ones they might tear her in pieces before she could make herself heard she could not venture to seek help there there was nothing for it but to go on 
since she had lived through half of the way it was possible that she might reach home alive after all she tried to think that she was becoming less terror-stricken growing accustomed to those horrid skeletons who continually waved and grinned at her in the distance and developed into commonplace leafless branches as she neared them she went on faster for some minutes or hours it seemed to her then a new terror defined itself the unmistakable approach of horses feet in the distance no sound of wheels a horseman riding fast what should she do she a woman alone in the dead of night on the public street suppose the rider should speak to her should stop oh for some friendly tree behind which to hide the skeletons now had lost their terror for her with the first approach of real terrible danger they became friends but it so happened that she had reached a stretch of road where no trees were and the horseman was coming very swiftly curiously enough for the first time that night the girl realized how unfair she had been to her mother by putting herself in such a position of possible danger as this she knew instinctively that her mother would rather spend a hundred nights alone than have her daughter voluntarily place herself where insult was possible in the few minutes which intervened while those rapid feet were nearing her it seemed to marjorie that every horrible story she had ever heard or read connected with night and darkness and sin came rushing to memory oh what should she do if the rider should speak to her she would scream so loud that they must hear her in town or at some farmhouse surely a sense of faintness was coming over her but she battled with it and put it sternly away this was no time for fainting she must have all her senses in order and use them well it was possible of course that the belated traveller was a respectable person who would pass her in swift silence but he did not he reined in his horse as he drew near miss edmonds is it not said a voice which she recognized on the instant and at the sound of which all inclination to scream departed from her before she could gather breath to make reply he added you recognize me do you not i'm mr maxwell as he spoke he dismounted and throwing selim's bridle over his arm came toward her oh i am afraid i have frightened you he said for marjorie had dropped a limp heap on the ground do not be alarmed because i am here nothing is wrong with your mother but she was anxious over your detention and i volunteered to bring her word from you are you faint miss edmonds i am afraid i have frightened you very much i thought you would perhaps recognize my voice and so not be alarmed i did said marjorie i am not frightened not now and she struggled to her feet trembling in every limb i was awfully frightened mr maxwell she said speaking between nervous shudders not at you but at everything when i heard the sound of horses feet and knew a man must be coming it was terrible but now that he is here i am not at all afraid the remarkable seeming contradiction in this sentence struck her ludicrously as she said it and she was nervous enough to laugh outright mr maxwell joined in the laugh 
it was the quickest and easiest way to quiet nerves marjorie sobered on the instant and was ready with anxious questionings and explanations is my mother very much frightened mr maxwell oh i am afraid it will make her ill i tried so hard to get home earlier indeed it was not my fault you can know how anxious i was by my being willing to start away alone i can understand that better than i can your being permitted to do it said mr maxwell speaking some thoughts which he meant to have kept to himself he made haste to add naturally your mother is anxious but we shall be at home so soon now that i cannot think any harm will result are you a good walker on occasion miss edmonds selim would be delighted to carry you but i believe you do not ride they made quick time after that marjorie's feet had regained their courage and she found no difficulty in keeping step with her companion also her fears had departed the skeletons had retired affrighted in their places were only prosaic-looking trees whose bare branches might wave as they would she cared not there passed a horseman who looked curiously at the two making quick steps over the road with a horse pacing haughtily along by their side there came a wagon loaded with revellers who sang and shouted as they passed but marjorie only noticed them to think how frightened she would have been under other circumstances she tried to give mr maxwell a history of her experiences she tried to make light of her fears but the memory of them was too vivid and it became apparent to her escort that she was still very much excited i wonder if you are not acquainted with my talisman he said cheerily when i was a little fellow it was my fortune to be much alone one of my duties involved a long walk daily or rather nightly for it was after the sun had set through a piece of woods where the shadows were dense i appreciate your statement about the trees waving their arms at you mine went farther than that they shrieked and howled on occasion and sometimes called after me at least so i had seasons of almost believing i do not suppose there was any very real danger though occasionally a bear did prowl about those woods but my fears were as real as though the danger had been imminent and i suffered from them in a way that unimaginative people cannot understand one night i found a talisman it worked grandly and has served me a good turn many a time since when i was in real peril it is associated in my mind with my dear old grandmother have you a grandmother miss edmonds i consider a life defrauded of a large portion of its joys that cannot look back to grandmother's room as a place for comfort and grandmother's prayers as a stronghold curiously enough mine was the only one to whom i was willing to confide my fears i think i desired to pose as a hero before my dear mother father was absent from home much of the time and i was her caretaker not for the world would i have hinted to her that that half-mile walk was one of terror at times but my grandmother was little and old and could not walk at all and seemed to be young enough to understand all my feelings one night as i said she gave me a charm i have heard of charms said marjorie trying to be merry do you wear it about with you mr maxwell and could you lend it do you think 
because if I were ever to be caught in this way again, I am sure I should need it. Indeed, I feel as though I could never go through such an experience as this again. The voice which had begun with a merry note turned to gravity, and Marjorie shivered sensibly. Evidently she had not yet gained the healthy poise of her usual condition. Her companion made haste to speak cheerily. I would not think of it, Miss Edmonds. It is highly improbable that you will be called upon to take night walks through the country alone. But about the charm, I wear it constantly, engraved where it can never be erased. Yet it is a very simple little thing, and you can at will be furnished with it. These are the words which compose it. What time I am afraid I will trust in thee. I do not know that I can make you understand what a revelation it was to me when my grandmother first succeeded in getting it into my heart that God actually cared for me every minute, watched over my goings and comings, and was near at hand for me to speak to whenever I would, so that in reality it was impossible for me to take walks alone. If you ought to be going that way, said the dear old lady, and I seem at this moment to hear her impressive voice, and see her small, withered forefinger upheld for emphasis. If you ought to be going that way, then be sure he is going along with you, and you need not even whisper to get his attention. He hears your heart beat, and knows all about it. But it is a great comfort to speak to him, my boy. I found so, Miss Edmonds, and, as I said, the blessed fact has gone with me through the years. Marjorie Edmonds was absolutely silent. She had no words with which to meet such an experience as this. Truth to tell, she knew nothing about God as a living, present reality. Many of her friends, young people like herself, were professors of religion, and it will have to be confessed that Marjorie, perhaps without realizing it, had prided herself on the fact that she was not. Why should I join the church? she had asked lightly of a girlfriend, who, during the time of special interest following the week of prayer, had urged her to this step. I do not see the slightest difference in you since you joined, save that you go to the communion service when you feel like it. As for me, I have obligations enough now which I do not meet to undertake any new ones, at least until I see occasion for doing so. It was not altogether sincere. No one knew better than Marjorie Edmonds that there was such a thing as vital religion. Mother and father had lived it before her through all the years of her recollection. It is true, her mother's training, and possibly her temperament, made her more reserved upon this subject than any other. Still, the controlling motive power of her life was Jesus Christ, and Marjorie knew it. But aside from her mother, Marjorie's experience among professed Christians was perhaps unfortunate. She had a high ideal, and often said to herself, and occasionally aloud, that if she ever did become a Christian, she would be a different one from any with whom she was acquainted. She always made a mental reservation of her parents, her pastor, and possibly two or three others, but all of these were old, or at least they were much older than she, and she had allowed herself to more than half believe that religion, 
or at least consistent living was for the old therefore she would wait until there would be some hope of her being consistent before she would make the attempt but mr maxwell was young he could not be very much older than ralph bramlett himself and his manner of speaking of these things was new to her he had a sort of quiet assurance a matter-of-course way of talking of religion as he would of any other subject moreover he spoke of god as though he were a real ever-present friend instead of a far-away solemnity to be spoken of and thought about as little as possible this she confessed to herself was the way in which she habitually thought of him i do not think i know how to use your talisman she said timidly and wished that he would talk of something else by way of helping him to do so she began an eager account of the day's pleasuring entering into a detailed description of the beauty of the glen where their lunch was spread and the lovely fire they had built to roast their corn and the picturesqueness of the whole scene with their coffee pail hung on an improvised crane made of pointed sticks interlaced a regular gypsy camp mr maxwell she said the great pail in which we had our coffee swayed back and forth over the coals just as i have seemed to see it do in pictures of gypsy encampments all we lacked was the old fortune teller i thought at one time of impersonating her you should have been with us if you like strange and almost uncanny views in nature you have heard of the place have you not it has a good deal of local fame there is a hill ever so high just back of the glen almost a mountain it might be called and rocks with great jagged fissures in them there are some fine specimens to be found in that region the wise ones say aren't you a geologist mr maxwell oh no i know nothing about geology except at second hand i ask questions occasionally and pick up disconnected bits of information in that way but i love to look at those great solid rocks that have stood there for ages and imagine things about them our day was all lovely until that storm came on what a terrific storm it was i was so worried not to be at home on mother's account she is inclined to be nervous during a thunderstorm were you at home during the rain and did you see my mother with these and kindred subjects she kept up a steady flow of words and as she had by this time regained her wonted strength they walked rapidly and very soon turning a corner the lights from the home windows streamed out upon them End of chapter five